The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Featuring personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions, John or as he is known around the kink and fetish community. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our wonderful listeners, welcome. We follow up two interviews with the legends of the dominatrix world with two conversations with educators who bring the world of kink to the masses in different ways. On today's show, we visit with a woman who founded what can only be described as the institution of record when it comes to the education of the scene. It's time to go to school. Internationally recognized as one of the kink community's premier speakers and entrepreneurs, Princess Callie is the founder of kinkacademy.com and the Red Key Club, and author of 10 books and workbooks. For more than 20 years, Callie has been deeply engaged in exploring the whys and hows of erotic humiliation and other misunderstood forms of kink play. Callie is a member of the Community Academic Consortium for Research on Alternative Sexualities Research Advisory Committee and was inducted into the Dominatrix Hall of Fame in 2022. She has dedicated her life to creating unique educational tools, workshops, and retreats to help consenting and creative adults safely explore sexual expression. Princess Callie on what women and other wonderful humans want. They are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you ever consciously humiliated someone, and what made you do it? Oh, um... Well, I'm sure that I did it. I'm sure that I did it unconsciously in my youth. I think I've probably been a, a little condescending my uh, my entire life. But the first time that I remember being very intentional about it was actually when I was a stripper 
in my very early 20s and went and I did um I didn't work in a club I did like bachelor parties and and birthday parties and private shows right and what would happen is I would show up and I had my little spiel you know hi I'm Tally your friendly neighborhood stripper um uh, you know try to put your finger in my ass I'll take my tits my ass and your money and I will leave and and inevitably there would be some man who would try and um you know push the boundaries a little bit and so absolutely naturally because I really had very little exposure to kink or um kind of didn't really think in terms of what is more traditionally experienced as kink before this but I would make them bark like dogs and I would and I would, you know, if one of the men at the party would be, was being disrespectful in any way, I would stop and I would put my robe on and I would say, basically, everyone in this room needs to bark like a dog or I'm not going to continue to take my clothes off. And, and I, I don't remember a single time being refused that inevitably there would just be this room full of um men you know barking like dogs and I'd be like all right puppies settle down time to take my titties back out and it was it was so playful but it was definitely about treating them um you know like the dogs that they were acting like first time you ever used humiliation in a dominatrix scene what did you do and what were you trying to achieve from it? Oh, um, let's see here. A couple of my earliest pro sessions were um, shopping sessions in Boston. And Boston is, of course, you know, pretty conservative, all things considered. And twice I took a submissive, the same submissive. We first time we went to a shoe store and I would, wouldn't let him stand up. I was making him kind of crawl and shuffle on his knees around the, and this was on like, like the new, the, the, um, Newbury, Newbury drive. I think it's like this really fancy street in Boston. I'm blanking a bit. So we're in this like fancy shoe store and I'm like, you can't get up. And he's bringing me my shoes. And and I'm like standing on him and being like, oh, I think these are good all-terrain heels and um, just being a little sassy. And what was I trying to accomplish? I mean, he had requested public humiliation. So I was trying to accomplish him being humiliated, um, which, you know, check and check. Um, and also I was trying to accomplish um, uh, taking home some delightful shoes along with my delightful memories. First time you ever taught a class, what was it? And were you nervous to do so? Let's see. Um, well, when I was a stripper, I sort of unofficially became the trainer for all of the uh, new women who came into the um, to the particular business that I worked for. So, so those were more sort of one-on-one -on -one classes. Um, and let me tell you, my students very often brought a little extra sugar for teacher. Um, but my the first like kink classes I taught, God, that's such a good question. It was so long ago and I've taught hundreds of classes. 
Um, but no, I was not that nervous. I love teaching. I come from a family of educators in a variety of subjects. So um, teaching is my happy place. What was your reaction the first time that you opened the box to see your own book in print? <gasps> Absolute elation. That, no hesitation. The, and, you know, and still to this day, seven years after my first book was published, the, um, the giddiness, the, like, physical affection that I feel for my books. Like I, I love to just hold them in my hand and look at them. I think that books and creating books are, is magical because what starts as a series of thoughts in my mind becomes this thing that you can hold in your hand. And that I've all, I've, I sort of think of teaching now as like, um, mass. I mean, domination isn't quite the, the right word, but where I'm sort of like, quote unquote, dominating people into having better sexual experiences and getting to know themselves better. Oh my God. Honestly, it makes me the horniest ever on the planet. So elation and arousal. <laughs> I always ask for the first time, but I will take any time when you received confirmation that you would change someone's life for the better in an honest-to-goodness transformational way. Oh, this one will make me cry because I'm... I'm privileged and honored to actually receive confirmation of that on a really frequent basis. Um, you know, I have thought of myself mostly as like, you know, just like some perv on the internet. And yet the, the affirmation and love and gratitude that I hear from folks about how my work. And so, um, Oh God, all the most meaningful ones though feel a little iffy on the consensual side to, to 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 share. But I guess to just say that that I hear it fairly frequently and I um it brings tears and it makes my heart grow every single time. And I have a little file that I actually print out or keep um notes that people write for me, particularly when I'm struggling or having a hard time, you know, and, and needing, af you know, and, and needing to know that I matter and that the, the work I do matters, I read through those things. And so, um, so yeah, so I just don't want to, I don't want to spill anybody's secrets, but, um, suffice to say, I, I hear it a lot and it's, and it blows me away every single time. And I can hear the passion in your voice as you describe it. And that is simply beautiful. We have just started with your friendly neighborhood kink educator. I love or your friendly neighborhood kink coach. Yes. Well, both. I mean, really, <laughs> your friendly neighborhood pervert is really just a good umbrella. Even better. More with Princess Callie when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you 
as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thankscatsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? (laughs) Or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, (laughs) Uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. Kink for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners written by Princessa Natasha Strange, that's me, (laughs) is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. The heart of the dominatrix. Portraits and interviews of exceptional mistresses. This book is about female domination. This book is about dark corners, both physically and psychologically. This book is for you, whether you're a beginner or have decades of experience with BDSM. If you're eager to learn more about power exchange dynamics or are simply interested in relationships, and the aesthetics of this world. This book will change your perspectives. Be warned. Visit heartofthedominatrix.com to order your copy today. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at whatwomenwantp1, on Instagram at What Women Want Podcast, and on FetLife at www.podcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy, as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be joined by Princess Callie. 
who I'm going to give full disclosure here. This is our second conversation because a computer ate our first one for the most part. So many kudos and thanks and much appreciation to you for joining us again. Such a naughty computer. It's my pleasure. I'm delighted to be back to chat again. We had such a nice time last time. Let's do an encore. So let's talk about Kink Academy. I have been so impressed by the wide variety of classes that you can get on there, the wide variety of resources that come from there. Tell us how the genesis of Kink Academy happened. Happily. Um, Kink Academy was born out of many years of me attending kink conferences as an educator and um, becoming friends with a lot of the kink educators and seeing the kind of incredible education and support and encouragement that attendees experienced at these conferences and just feeling like it was really unfair for people who who were either in close proximity or, or who could afford to attend or who weren't as concerned about exposure or risk. Folks were the only people getting this incredibly useful, diverse access to kink education. And um, I decided that was simply no longer acceptable and that I was going to do something about it. And so it kind of all came to me, like the, the form came to me really all at once, this idea of putting um, videos from different educators and for it being more of a hub for educators. You know, this was 15 years ago. And so at the time, streaming education was literally non-existent in the kink world and um or at least so infrequent that it was just not really part of the general culture and a lot of kink and sex educators um in fact i'd say most kink and sex educators were really confined to conferences that they were close to or that, that people, that attendees were only familiar with educators. So, so I had this idea of creating a website where educators could share their expertise uh, and earn income doing it, that attendees could learn from educators regardless where in the world they were, um, regardless of, you know, budget. I could bring together all of these kinky learners and kinky educators in one place to make it easier for everybody. Access is such a difficult thing, even at conferences. I remember teaching at Kinky College last year, and a man held up his hand, and I could tell he was emotional. And he said, if anyone discovered that I was here, I would instantly be fired. But I need to be able to learn about who I am and what makes me the person that I am. Yep. And I remember going over to him and giving him a hug oh, and yeah. said, I want you to take a look around here because every single one of these people are on your team. And if anything ever happened, you could turn to any one of us. And it was a beautiful moment. Yes, that's exactly it. That there's the level of fear that that a lot of folks reasonably live in because kink is still deeply stigmatized. Even 
you know, even in 2023, kink is still very much stigmatized and misunderstood in the broader society. And so, you know, but that man and folks like him do deserve to understand themselves and to learn how to do things as safely as possible and to get skills that resonate with them without necessarily putting themselves at risk. And to be clear, Kink Academy isn't only for people who don't go to conferences. I've had lots of folks who are very active conference attender, attendeeers, and uh, <laughs> that that also love Kink Academy because it's essentially a conference in your pocket. Again, which was the idea behind it is that like, if you miss a conference that happens once a year, or if you miss a class at that conference that happens, you know, at a time that you're unavailable, boom, you don't have access to that thing. And that's tragic. That's, you know, that's tragic. And, and the thing that I love in taking a look at your site, you just click on experts and you see people like Jean Bardot, Mistress Servalin. Uh, people that I've heard of a lot. You've got Dan and Dawn on there. You've got so many people that are the superstars, but you also have people that not many people have known about, mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, they're, they're but are great educators classes. and have yes. a point of view and have some very incredibly well-considered perspectives and things to learn with some. Uh, and, and, you know, at the beginning of Kink Academy, I had a lot of pressure from folks for it to be essentially a porn site with some education thrown in. And, you know, I love porn. I have made porn, femdom porn. I have most of my friends are in porn. I'm a big fan of porn. But I personally believed and still believe that there is a really important place for education that is actually education that like yes titillation might be part of it but that we're breaking down the mechanics of the things that you are attempting to do so that you can create porn type experiences or or whatever type of experiences you want in your own home that it's not just thin white able-bodied individuals that there are um diverse folks and that I am constantly striving to add more diversity. I'm very excited for when I can get con new content going again. Although right now there's already more than 2000 videos on there. 160 educators or thereabouts. You know, it's a massive resource. And the thing that I appreciate about the fact that you have such diverse educators is that you bring all sorts of different perspectives because you and I both know, and that movement to make porn on your site is because so many people have this thought process that, oh, I can learn from porn. I can do things. Porn is great for fantasies. Yes. But when you try to do it, it doesn't work out a lot of times because you have to understand not only the hows, but the whys. Yes. And that it's, you know, it's entertainment. And that's the thing is, I think that there are some folks that that there are ways that you can learn from porn, right? That that certainly, you know, I don't want to discount 
the ability that that folks have to extrapolate, um, you know, a style or a tone of voice or, you know, that sort of thing that there, there's a lot to um, be turned on by and perhaps integrate into your experience. But that is not the same thing as, um, you know, one of my favorite uh, videos is is a video that shows this in um, very clear terms. And it's a video about cocksucking and deep throating. And rather than it being, um, you know, a cocksucking video with, you know, dulcet, soft porn, you know, soft sex sounds, um, overlaying the things, trying to throw in a few tips or whatever, the the educator is deep throating a cock and is saying while she's got this cock it down her throat, you know, if you'll notice, oh, 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 you know, I'm cupping his balls here. And it's it's fucking beautiful because it is real. Real life sex is not as glossy, is not, you know, you you can't edit out the um, the slightly awkward. We leave all of that stuff in in Kink Academy videos because that's part of the sexual experience. And I want folks to have tools for the sex that they are actually having and the sex that they want to be having. I don't know if this is going to cross over into humiliation <laughs> or if it just talks about the fact that I'm a different kind of person. Okay. You describe the fact that you had an education video on cocksucking and deep throating. Yes. I have never gone down on a woman naked. Okay. With wait, you you being naked or or no with with in other words, it, just having a vagina in front of me. Yeah. And me performing oral sex on them. I've never gotcha. done it. Okay. Wouldn't know where to start. See? And our videos are perfect for that. They're perfect for you. Now, it's not that I didn't want to do it. It's just that I never had the opportunity because when you're in a 20 plus year marriage to a French vanilla person, which uh -huh. is so hyper vanilla with uh -huh. no imagination, you just don't tend to do that. But I know that in the kink world, it can be something that is extremely beautiful in the vanilla world. It can be something that's extremely beautiful. Exactly. The, the, you know, so many, if not most folks have some kind of a, um, have, have hangups around different sexual acts. Right. And that's true for vanilla folks. That's true for kink folks. And so sometimes exactly like what you're talking about there, there's something that just doesn't really happen that then can can feel awkward or then it can kind of feel tough to broach it, right? Is that it's like, okay, well, I haven't done it so far. Maybe I just don't really know how to do it or how to ask to say, hey, I'm not actually all that great at this. Like, can I, can you show me what to do or can you practice? Now, I thoroughly encourage folks to have those conversations because we need to keep destigmatizing, um, you know, direct and, uh, awkward conversations around sex but that if if that 
just feels kind of a leap too far for you or for anyone that, that you can watch Kink Academy videos. We have multiple series on oral sex for all different kinds of gender, uh, genders and genitalias, and um, that you can spend time learning different styles from different educators and different techniques, and you can see them demonstrated in front of you in a very unglossy, very real life sort of situation. And you can sort of pick up on the things that most resonate with you in order to then go more confidently into an experience so that you at least have something to draw on to then go into the experience and to then adjust to the person that you are playing with personally, but at least there's a foundation there. If we were to go through the Princess Callie countdown of things that you do, uh, number two on the list, but pretty close to being number one, is also the Red Key Club. Please tell me about that because yes. I don't know a lot about it. The Red Key Club is um, a fairly recent project for me in the grand scheme of my 22 years as a professional pervert. Um, the Red Key Club uh, came out of the early pandemic months. Um, I had actually spent the previous few years focusing on more mainstream work. I had just finished my first mainstream book, uh, Ditch the Bitch Stigma, which is all about kind of taking what I've learned as a professional dominatrix and applying it to vanilla women. And I was just about ready to go out and go on tour and really get out there. And then the pandemic hit. And um, I immediately was like, I don't really want to spend time with vanilla people. Where are my perverts? And I fairly quickly turned back to um, not only kinksters, but sex workers. I have a long uh, had a long career as a professional dominatrix and still am very enmeshed, joyfully so, in the pro-dom community through education and community and, and stuff. And so I decided to do a class on branding. I'm a big fan of branding and marketing and business, and uh, but branding for pro-doms and sex workers. And that got such a great response that I decided to do a class on defining your ideal client, essentially taking mainstream stream business concepts, business and marketing concepts, but applying them through my sex worker and pro-dom specifically um, experience and applying them to this particular industry. And so from there, there just was such an outpouring of response for it that I decided to put together the Red Key Club. And um, uh, this is the third year that I've been doing it. I had originally only intended on doing it as kind of a pop-up project. And I was going to like wrap it up, you know, in six months or something. And it's just turned out to be one of the most uh, fulfilling and connecting things that I've ever done. And I've, I've been very privileged to do a lot of fulfilling things in my life. And so the Red Key Club is a business and marketing school for pro-doms and other sex workers. There is a recorded library of classes that I've taught everything from branding and marketing to setting up communication systems. Um, I also did a number of interviews with other pro-doms. I brought in some other experts to teach some classes on like real estate and budgeting. There's, there's really a nice little plethora of classes in there. And then we also do monthly live virtual community events in order to give sex workers who are often isolated um, 
a place to come and not only get feedback and support and learning and education and all of that, but also a place to celebrate wins and to like, you know, talk about reaching goals and do all of those things. Because all of those things are an important part of entrepreneurship. And that's what sex workers are, are entrepreneurs. Where did you get your business background? I have been a business-minded person since I was a kid. Um, uh, my dad is an entrepreneur in a in a fairly unique industry, which I won't go into, but suffice to say, I had a, a lot of early exposure to the entrepreneurial experience um, and a non-traditional entrepreneurial experience as well. Um, and that, like, by the time I was seven or eight years old, I was... Um, selling lemons and salt packets to my fellow students and making friendship bracelets and selling threads to teach other people how to make friendship bracelets. And I've just always, I guess, had a tendency towards providing an education and um, getting paid for doing so. <laughs> and you brought that business acumen to the art of pro-doming. Yes. I know so many people who say, I really want to be a pro dom. And they see the dollar signs. Obviously, yeah. that's what motivates a lot of people. I love money. So that's not a problem. Like money is great. We all deserve to earn an income. But yeah, please continue. <laughs> but there's also the people who have the passion for wanting to do something that is deep within their heart, but wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. Because pro-doming is a business. There's yeah. no doubt about that. You have to have, as silly as it sounds, a business plan and a goal-oriented system rather than just go, I'm just going to get a bunch of clients that are going to pay me and it's going to be great because you don't realize everything that goes into it it's fine and great to have money be even your your first motivator for getting into the sex industry we were actually just talking about that last night at the red key club meeting that we did and about how money often is a big motivator for doing this usually to provide more time in the sex worker's life um, because of health or you know physical or mental health or caretaking duties or whatever um, but the thing is, is um, a desire for for the income isn't enough to create a successful business in this industry. N not in in small part due to the to the amount of censorship and obstacles that are that are just part of the deal. You know, is that I like to say that uh, entrepreneurialship is the Sisyphusian task of, you know, pushing a, a stone up a hill and uh, entrepreneurialism in the sex industry is like pushing a glass covered boulder up a hill is that like you have to really fucking want to get that boulder to the top of the hill. Like that's not some it's not necessarily something that you just sort of do casually and create a lot of success with. And so, you know, being intentional, being authentic, being safe. These are all parts of building a business in an industry that is ever more saturated as the years go by, that is constantly under censorship 
attacks, you know, and, and shifting, changing platforms and all of those things. And so it really takes a tremendous amount of uh, chutzpah to get beyond the idea of I'd like men to send me free money and shoes, which like, fuck yeah, love that fantasy. Um, but that is not, that is not a fantasy upon which a successful business will be built. You know, you do have to be prepared to invest time and to figure out how to make the industry work for you. I was taken aback by your analogy of a glass-covered boulder. <laughs> it's a little pessimistic sounding, probably. But everything that goes into that, from the fact that it's a boulder, the fact that it is glass, so you see that here's what you're having to push up the hill, but at any time it can shatter into a million pieces. And you're the one that's going to get hurt when it does. Mm -hmm. Well, and also that, you know, some folks just, they, they don't see the glass for the boulder, you know, that they see the boulder and they think, oh, fuck it. I can do that. You know, it looks hard, but I can do that. And the, and the thing is, is a lot of people can, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I have loved being part of the sex work industry and it comes with a lot of challenges that you have to be ready to to dive in to handle. And I wish there were more ways that I could possibly support you all because <laughs> I see through my interviews the absolute challenge it is just to be authentic and be who you are without people judging. And there's so much judgment going on. I I had Temptress Raven Eve that I just did a video podcast with and she got taken off Instagram and then Twitter started doing things with yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't make any sense because I've once wanted to post dual pictures of Yvonne Craig as Batgirl getting tied up on the lawn in cat whiskers. And have the same one recreated by maybe Jim Weathers and one of his models and see which one gets banned. Because entertainment has happened way off. This is a picture from the 60s. Yep. Yet if you redo it now, that's sex work. Yes. And, that, and sex work is unilaterally. And so that's the thing is that, you know, there's... there. There's a constantly shifting um, ability to market yourself. There is, you know, platforms are constantly changing and are, you know, like video uh, clip platforms are constantly changing what they are allowed and credit, credit card processors are always kind of trying to get us. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's just simply, it's not as simple as, I'm going to go be mean to some men and my rent will get paid or, you know, and actually, and Findom in particular has been this really niche, you know, part of the industry where that has become even a more potent 
fantasy, I think not only for the fin subs, but for fin doms as well, is that there's this idea that, oh, I'm going to like become a fin dom, that the fin dom is the new pro dom, is that like, I don't really want to put any effort into all of this. I don't really want to understand kink of any kind. I just want my bills paid. And like, fuck yes, I would love that for everyone. Um, but Findom doesn't really work like that any more than Prodom and Femdom does, you know, is that it takes thought and consideration. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm a big believer. I talk in all of my education and I I've been a kink educator for 22, for, well, around 20 years. I've been an uh, educator in the adult industry for 22 years, but kink specifically for around 20 years. And, um, and then, you know, as well as sex workers. And I am a big believer in making kink or sex work fit you instead of you fit kink or sex work, right? Is that like, it is about finding a way to be authentic rather than to, um, and to do things that feel as good as possible. Some people don't realize, especially when I've been doing nearly 150 interviews, that the people who are pro-doms or fetish models, most of them tell me that it's not a character. It's something that's deep inside them that drives them to do this. So people who go into it go thinking, I can play a character and this is going to work, may not have the success of a person who goes in and says, this is who I am. I'm turning it up to 11 for my sex work, but it's genuinely who I am. Yeah. It, in my experience, and there's always exceptions. And so, you know, please don't come cranky in the comments, but um, it, in my experience, it's the folks who have some kind of a deeper connection to the kinks that they're exploring professionally. Um, than just money that are the most successful. Now, uh, you know, I can think of a few um, that that are like, no, I'm not particularly into this, but I do love the money and who have reached a really high level of financial success. Most of, you know, all of those people are very classically attractive in a very singular sort of way. And so for the rest of us um, of more diverse presentation, I think that there is a, a lot of success that that is rooted in this is part of who I am and I would like to earn a living from something that that genuinely brings me joy and that allows me to also provide joy for other people. You know, that when I was an active pro-dom, um, I loved creating an environment where my submissives could come and be themselves in a way that they could not be in any other place in their lives and with any other people in their lives. Like that, you know, not to get all like, 
kumbaya about it or anything, but that's like, honestly, um, an, an honor. Um, even if, you know, the, the way that they can be themselves is by offering their nutsack up for me to kick or, um, you know, presenting their face for me to slap or opening their wallet for me to shop. Um, that the, the the dynamics that I created in my pro life that many of which ended up being much more lifestyle relationships that maybe started pro as pro relationships, but that ended up as much more lifestyle relationships because of that deep connection that can be created um, within the confines of the professional relationship. And one of the misconceptions that there is in sex work is I'm just paying you for time. I can tell you that on this particular podcast, the interview is the easy part. It's all the graphics and the editing that go into it oh, yeah. that are an extra couple of hours. I just spent 13 hours editing the Temptress Raven Eve video podcast. Yes. And, yeah. And people see the hour and it's like, oh, this is great. The yeah. preparation, you talked about setting the scene. You talk about all the equipment. In a lot of cases, real estate. It's not paying for time. It is paying for a business. Oh, yes. And that, that's, you know, I think that a lot of new sex workers don't understand that. Certainly, I think the majority of clients don't really understand that, that it's it's not just a um oh you know hour for one hour for cash and that that's like it's a somehow a one-to-one -one ratio uh, because it's not and and that being a prodom is um probably the most expensive form of sex work uh in terms of the outfits and implements and um you know if you are a dungeon owner yourself or if you rent a dungeon or need to contribute towards play space costs you know play space costs are fucking outrageous um and you know and so all of that marketing you know physical maintenance like there's the the video equipment like you know i could spend your entire hour long podcast listing the, the costs that that can go into this work and that doesn't even speak to now the increasing culture of education that is happening in the sex industry that i think is um i mean my, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom was an educator. So it's probably not a big <laughs> shock uh, that I ended up an entrepreneurial educator. You know, I personally believe that skill improvement, business improvement, investing in yourself um, and your education is a, a huge boon to the industry and was not all, there were very limited ways that though, that education, I think, like, you know, was more explored. There was often one-to-one -one mentorship that if you were, you know, if you managed to get hired at a dungeon, that sort of a thing. But, you know, this idea that, that sex work of any kind is going to be an easy endeavor, a cheap endeavor, or a guaranteed profitable endeavor, I think 
should be kept with the same fantasies that are also impossible. <laughs> when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to do a lot of things and talk about a lot of things that's enough to make you blush when we come back. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor, and thriver, power exchange and polyamory, submissive versus wife, the Practical Contract Guide, Relationship short Shorthand, as well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Have you ever dreamed of a house that is kink-friendly in every room? Have you ever wanted a getaway where your every desire is contained within steps? In Cincinnati, Ohio, the Wanton Sinners B&B is now open. Two kink-equipped bedrooms, a fully equipped basement dungeon, and a living room with cages and restraint points throughout. And you can leave your toy bag at home because every space comes with plenty of toys and restraints. Visit Wanton Sinners on FET and follow the links to the Airbnb and Verbo listings. The Wanton Center's B&B in Cincinnati, where your dreams have a home. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi there, I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Nookie. We are joined by Princess Callie, who has a brand new book out called Enough to Make You Blush. Because when it comes to humiliation, there's a lot to make you blush. This is a brand new and improved book because I actually published the first edition in at the end of 2015, I think. Wow. And um uh to to generally rave reviews and the original idea came from years and years of teaching humiliation classes that humiliation is one of um the first topics that i just really 
discovered this deeply innate understanding of. Um, and I started teaching very early in my prodom career about humiliation and um, had been thinking about doing a book for like a decade. Um, and and then finally, and you know, it's it, Jay Wiseman, who is uh, now someone I've worked with through Kink Academy and as a friend, I've you know known him for years. I met him in the first couple of years of doing kink and ran into him at a conference before we actually knew each other. And um, and he said something like, oh, you know, Princess Callie, I, you know, I heard you're the go to girl on humiliation. Then I taught the class for many, many years. And one day we were out at lunch and he said, you know, Callie, when are you going to do the book? Like, you know, you need to do a book. You need to do your book. And I'd been thinking about it already, like very seriously. And, you know, that was kind of the straw that um, tipped tipped the author's back or something. <laughs> um, and so pretty much, you know, right then I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to write this book. And and so I did. And um, and that the book had been out in the world and I've gotten s- such incredible feedback from, from people who uh, had never seen their experiences reflected back to them in a resource like this. There, you know, there hadn't been any books at all on erotic humiliation. Um, and, and so then last year, I just sort of decided I had been flipping through, uh, the book, chatting with a friend and, and realizing how much more I had to say, um, in the, you know, five or six years since it was originally published. And I started going through one of my copies of the book and jotting down notes in the margins, like, oh, well, I would want to add this here. And, oh my God, I, you know, this needs a whole chapter, how, how, you know, and, um, and literally within a week I had contacted my editor and was like, okay, we're doing this. Like, let's do this. And it took, it ended up taking substantially longer than I originally anticipated, um, unsurprisingly, um, because it ended up being a total rework of the original. Um, I added, I don't know, like three or four new chapters, including one on the ethics of psychological torment and a a couple of new um, activities chapters about like impact and humiliation and bondage and humiliation. Um, but really it all stemmed from the idea that I had more to say and it turned out to be a lot more because the book almost doubled in size. Um, I then revamped the, the companion workbook that goes with it, which also increased in size. And then I also ended up doing a third book with a, with a fourth book coming at some point this year based on the survey responses that I got that, um, both as part of the original book and the re right? I did a survey about people's interest in humiliation and experiences in humiliation because it's so personal and it's so nuanced. And I got so many incredible responses that I ended up creating a whole book based on them called Behind the Blush. And you have a set of cards to go with it too. I mostly stopped talking just because I had I had already been monologuing for so long. But I do. There's there. Um, I'm a huge fan of decks of cards. I think that they're an incredibly functional format 
for um, verbal and sort of catalyst elements of kink play. And um, the first deck I ever did, I think, was the verbal humiliation deck because I'm very verbose. I am, uh, I've always been known for my humiliation flair um, in my verbal style. And I used to joke that if I could just bottle, um, you know, the Niagara Falls of perverted words that come out of my mouth in scenes, that that would be helpful for people. So I did that. So I bottled it in a deck and that deck turned into the first humiliation truth or dare game. Um, and then both of those decks have now been revamped. And then I added two new humiliation decks. One is a humiliation themed negotiation deck. And then the other one is a sexual humiliation truth or dare deck to go with also the sissy play humiliation truth or dare deck. There, it's a lot of decks, but there's a lot of fun in those cards. Let me tell you. I'm just imagining the Cali Casino. It really, it kind of, it, it is. And you know what I, I love and still to this day, from the mo moment that I created these decks to this day, when I get a message from someone that says, I took your truth or dare deck or your, what you know, it, whatever deck. I also have a couple of other decks. Um, to a munch or a play party or a date and we used the deck to kind of get things started or to get conversations started or to get play started like that's what they are for is to help get things going and I love literally never gets old when I hear from folks that they have enjoyed playing with them I have never met you in a professional manner. I have only talked to you in a friendly manner. Mm -hmm. You come off to me as one of the sweetest people <laughs> I have ever talked to on this podcast. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult for me to imagine humiliation yeah. from you. What's, what's the secret sauce? Actually, that is the secret sauce, at least for me. I don't do humiliation unless there has been a negotiation or unless uh, a man has been disrespectful to me, in which case I count that as consent. <laughs> Generally speaking, I am a lovely person and I, I enjoy being warm and vivacious. I am actually a, a pretty damn warm person. That being said, when that warmness turns to ice, when the warmth suddenly takes on an incredibly condescending tone, I do condescension very, very well. One of my favorite ways to humiliate people is while I'm smiling, because often the cognitive dissonance creates an additional layer of mind fuckery, you know, is that if I'm saying cruel things but I'm sort of my eyes are twinkling and my you know the the corners of my lips are turned up in a flirtatious way and I'm sort of like you know I'm still emanating warmth and yet I'm belittling you or I'm you know flushing your face in a toilet 
<laughs> big smile for those of you Smiles who are imagining you. the biggest smile um, the entire podcast right exactly, there exactly right is that and I think that's the thing is one of the top things that I like to teach people or I like to help people understand is that there is not actually one style of humiliation that is right some people like humiliation in a way that is you know, edge edged and disdainful and cruel and very blatant about those things and is hard about the humiliation. Some people like the sort of, oh, this is for your own good, but don't you feel small that that is true. Some people like the teasing sort of like, oh, look at how horny and perverted you are, you filthy little tramp. That right there is far and away, it's what I like to call erotic slut shaming, right? Is that sort of like, look at how horny you are, you filthy perv, I love it. That sort of dissonance of, I'm pointing out something that society says is wrong, but I'm doing it in a way that is clearly encouraging, right? That resonates, that for me is a big part of my style, is that I be, I genuinely feel joyful when someone sacrifices their dignity for me and for my entertainment. I do think of it a bit like, you know, a court jester, is that, you know, the court jester is often one of the most protected people in the court. You know what I mean? That there's often a lot of affection from the royalty to the court jester. But you are literally making yourself ridiculous to bring a smile to my face. Like, what's not to love about that, really? The art of tearing someone down, mm -hmm. I would guess, has to be coupled with the art of bringing that person back up. Absolutely. It doesn't always need to be with the same person. I think that sometimes with some people's dynamic, and that was actually one of the interesting things to see in words in this in the responses to the survey. One of the questions was, uh, do you require aftercare? And the, the question was to both submissives and to dominance, because guess what? Dominants also need aftercare, particularly after incorporating some of these socially challenging dynamics, right? And um, while the majority of people said, yes, I do need aftercare, there was a not insignificant number of folks who said, I do not want to be coddled or, or like comforted by my dominant because for them that that sometimes can be, can sort of sour the experience or can make it feel not real. But the difference between abusive abuse and erotic humiliation, right? Because the word humiliation doesn't actually tell us all that much. Like that's why I'm, I pretty much always include the term erotic. Because even folks who appreciate erotic humiliation don't necessarily want to be like humiliated by their boss in front of their peers, right? Like those two things are simply not the same thing. When you abuse someone, you don't care. Like the, the abuser doesn't care or and often doesn't want the receiver of the abuse to, to feel put back together at any point in time. 
Whereas with a humiliation scene, with a negotiated erotic scene, <clears throat> whether it's me or whether or not I hand you off to somebody else, I want you to come out the other side of this feeling happy or feeling positive about having had this experience. Now, this is the exact moment when, when I like to point out that language is very personal. And so when I say happy or positive, Every single person who's listening to this might have a different idea of what that actually means, but that you're coming out of it going, that was an adventure and I'm glad I did it. That is the ideal scenario. Now, there are lots of humiliation subs or submissives who would like to experience humiliation who feel really complicated about their desires. And frankly, that's true for doms and tops as well. You know, mm -hmm. there, there can be a lot of second guessing on every side of this kink. Even within the kink world, there it's still, it's still a bit stigmatized. It, I think that there's been a lot of improvement. And I do think that I my work has helped with that, although certainly not, you know, it's not the only thing. People do feel really complicated about this kink most often because they simply haven't had someone in their life to affirm to them that they, whether they're submissive or dominant, deserve to experience the desires that they have while being safe doing so. And that they are, that those desires, whether to be humiliated or to humiliate others, don't inherently make a person a bad person or a broken person. Holy shit, that is a myth that needs to be stamped the fuck out, right? Everyone in my survey who said, because another one of my questions in the survey was, how do you feel about your humiliation, your desire for humiliation play? And almost unilaterally, the people that said, I feel 100% great about it, like, I don't have any problem whatsoever with it are people who said I have had someone or I have had an experience in my life that has affirmed to me that this is not a bad thing about myself. And I try and so I try through my work that if you're not able to have that experience like one on one directly genuinely my hope for my work is that I'm able to affirm people that that you are not broken for having a complex psychological focused kink. Period. <laughs> like you you are not broken. You know, you deserve love and you deserve to be loved even in your complexity. That deserving of love is something that's so complicated yeah and i'm getting a little emotional um so am i actually so i understand so much of what you just said i understand my thoughts and fears about certain things 
But the greatest fear is to feel as though I'm not deserving of love. Mm -hmm. And on a personal level, my kindness and my giving to people, it's hard for me to accept love. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I've tried to have kink help me figure that out, but I've never been able to move forward in that journey enough to be able to figure it out. Mostly because a lot of times I think, why would anyone want to do this with me? Oh, honey. Yeah. You are not alone in that experience. It's a very think, lonely place. <laughs> yeah. No, I um you know it it's a lonely place that that it's like I I immediately get a a visual in my head um of being in a dark, dark, deep cave, cavern. So pitch black, you cannot see what is two inches in front of your face. And yet there are thousands upon thousands of people standing in this dark cavern thinking, how did I end up in this cavern alone? How did I personally get myself into this cavern to be so dark and to be so alone when in reality, it's a cavern that it that encompasses more people than it doesn't, you know? And finding someone who accepts us um, and loves us truly is such a like conundrum is such a tiny word compared to what the experience is you know and then you add on top of that more creative sexual needs and expressions you put on top of that any deviation from um gender expectations or communication styles or neurodivergency or mental health or physical health you literally right and you and this cavern just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows of people feeling and experiencing loneliness right because when i'm saying that there's thousands of people in this cavern that's not to discount in any way shape or form the sense of loneliness but it's it's to say that we are not alone. That, and that that doesn't do us a lot of good when we're hugging a pillow at night and wishing that there was somebody there, you know, or when we're, when our ass is itching and we just need somebody to smack it or, you know, like that, it doesn't, it, it only does so good, but, you know, I think that for those of us who have, creative and non-traditional 
sexual identities or gender identities. Um, we are not alone. And we sometimes, we just got to keep reaching out in that cavern. And someone will find us. I, I have to believe that, you know? Whether that someone is a friend or a lover or a companion, but someone finds it. Look at how many people you find here. And again, it's not to, it's not to dismiss because I know it's not the same, you know? I know it is not the same. But I think that so much of hum of being <laughs> human in this incredibly complicated world uh, is making connections where we can. I can't thank you enough for sharing what you just did. <laughs> um, I don't want to end the podcast on a on a down note, so. What I'd like to do is um, offer you the opportunity to tell me something good that's happening right now for you and what you're looking forward to in the future. Well, one good thing that's happening right now for me is this interview, but I'm bum. But outside of that, um, I'm... I'm really I, I'm really excited to be getting my uh, financial domination intensive launched. I think probably within days of this podcast going up. It's an it's an annual educational event that I've been doing um, for prodoms and other sex workers. It's a two day virtual, so anyone from anywhere. We've literally had folks from, from all over the world join us. Um, two days of a virtual education that's got uh, teachings from me, some some very casual small group stuff um, that's gotten feedback even from people who hate small groups, uh, positive feedback. Um, that's got a, the, a workbook. And then this year I'm doing two months of group coaching that's included afterwards to help integrate into brand and play and and all of those kinds of things and the the kind the the connections that are made between colleagues are really amazing and and you know I've already seen folks that have made fast friends that are clearly going to be friends for life um and it's a really it's a really amazing experience I mean I I love teaching I bring a lot of passion and excitement and um I've created a a very clear framework it's not just things you can google online or that someone you know shared in a thread on twitter it's um i have archetypes of of fin subs and i have tools for you to use to come up with ways to um create creative play that is you know that fits within your personal style which may or may not be humiliation it turns out there's actually a lot more to fin sub uh, or fin dom play that than humiliation, even for a humiliation lover like myself. Um, and so that's happening. Uh, it happens in the spring of every year, but this year it's going to, it's um, at the end of April and um, applications are on my website, coachingbycali.com, coachingbycali.com. Um, and I've got, you know, I've, 
now that my book is out and we're doing some great behind the scenes work on kink academy and i've got some cool new live events for red key club this year and um i'm honestly really excited about every single thing i'm doing right now i i love my work so much and i love it specifically because i get to have conversations like this and i love it because i get to um meet and work with amazing creative kind um, fun people, you know, and, um, and so I'm going to keep trying to find as many ways to do that as I possibly can, but you can find all of those ways on coachingbycali.com. This has been an absolute honor and privilege. And I feel like I've made a new friend and you that's did. pretty I darn did. cool. We did. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure, John. I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be telling everybody to come on what women and other wonderful humans want podcast. Thank you so much. One of the things I enjoy the most about this show is learning about parts of the scene I have no idea about. Humiliation was one of those things, and to hear the princess's joy about that world can only bring a smile to the imagination of so many and something new to consider for me. You can take a look at some of the classes for free, but we encourage you to sign up at kinkacademy.com. Here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want on a special Friday edition of the show presented by Dating Kinky. And if you haven't had enough of Princess Callie, there's more to come this Friday as she will return to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want to talk about the world of FinDom and ethical financial domination. That's coming up this Friday. A new edition of the show premieres next Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the First Lady of Kinky YouTube, the woman with three-quarter of a million followers and a streamer to the scene. It's the one and only Evie Lupine joining us to discuss her introduction into the kink world, a long conversation about what it's like to be ace and how she decided that YouTube was the place to teach. Evie Lupine, next week. What women and other wonderful humans want Presented by Dating Kinky, wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Princess Callie for being with us on this edition, and thank you for being with us. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast, and now select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. 